Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. This was a defining moment. A root of bitterness was the source of her conflict. Her body couldn't fight herself and cancer at the same time. Have you ever had your own bitter questions for God? Because we can replace that word cancer with doubt, fear, shame, guilt, trauma, addiction, whatever is terrorizing you. Virginia goes on to share that there is no procedure or medical protocol that can overcome the damage from dark intrusive thoughts we choose to believe. They must be displaced with the truth and that there is life in truth. When we embrace it, regardless of how painful, it builds our faith and making sense of the world around us becomes easier. Thank you for stopping by my podcast, Finding God in Our Pain. Welcome. Hi, I'm your host, Sherry Pilkington. In this podcast, you'll hear firsthand stories of how the God of the Holy Bible meets real people in their real pain. We look at the good God we profess through the lens of pain and suffering. I'm processing the most painful season of my life after unexpectedly losing Larry, my husband of 32 years. In my journey, I've discovered that there are many types of deaths. Maybe you've asked God, how could you let this happen? Why me? Where are you, God? Do you even care? What am I supposed to do with my life now? Here at Finding God in Our Pain, we don't shy away from the tough questions. I ask them to my guests. I share what I've experienced. We give real examples of how God shows up in the darkest, most painful situations in life. May the stories that you hear and the advice you receive encourage you to engage the heart of God about your painful places or memories or experiences or even your unmet expectations. Lean in close to God's heart because he speaks beautiful things in the dark. As you listen to this episode today, Did God Fail Jane? You can replace Jane's name with yours. Jane could really be any one of us and the battle she fights is ours too. Simply insert the thing that you fear most in place of what she battled. And this message will apply to, dare I say, everyone. We've all experienced painful, helpless situations where we couldn't lift our hand to change our circumstance. We've all struggled with God through prayer and pain. And what does God offer us when what we're praying for, we never see come to fruition? I've been in this place of contemplation with God. I often grab a hold of something complicated or at least complicated to me. And I begin to talk with God about it. And sometimes he gives me understanding and discernment right away. But other times, and probably most times, he unfolds things as I talk with him over a period of time. Allow me to lay some groundwork for this topic. And I'll bet common knowledge, but kindly be patient with me as I include any new listeners. This podcast is rooted in discovering the various ways that we personally experience God's presence in our pain. And I find great encouragement to hear the different testimonies of God's goodness, despite the painful places of this life. And you could say that I embrace having difficult conversations and taking a closer look at the suffering in this life with the goal of finding God's presence in the midst of it. Jesus entered into our pain way before we ever knew anything about sin and resulting consequences. And that was when he was crucified on the cross. 
he physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually experienced something he was never guilty of. He felt every degree of shame, confusion, disappointment, trauma, sickness, rejection, abandonment, all the things that come from sin and rebellion and that create fear and terror in our hearts. He took all of those things with him, driving them down into the grave. When he rose from death to life, he left all of our sin and shame and the horrors of this life in the grave. Having overcome the things that torture us in this life, he now attends to our pain from the position of having conquered it. Therefore, he's not afraid. He's not offended. There's nothing you can do to make him turn away. And that's good news, right? We're never alone in our pain and we can process it safely with him. But the best news is that he knows the way out. So he meets us in our traumas to care for us and show us the way to heal. The healing that he purchased for us with his blood. Since the unexpected passing of my husband and the intimacy that I experienced with Jesus through my grieving process, I have a strong desire to discover God's heart for those who are familiar with some of the darkest valleys that we can know in this life. Because of my curiosity, I've been pondering the story of Jane Marshuski. You may remember her as Nightbird. Simon Cowell of America's Got Talent, AGT, awarded this surprising songstress the golden buzzer, and she was showered with massive amounts of gold confetti. It's kind of cool. Simon's approval pushed her right past every other audition required to make it to the series of live shows that they do. Talk about the favor of the Lord. I mean, this was Simon Cowell. He was moved, like gold buzzer level impressed. In the music industry, a gold buzzer from AGT is the breakthrough a music artist needs. And at the very least, it's acknowledgement for all the years of hard work, the scrimping, saving, waiting tables, doing odd jobs, singing anywhere they'll let you for pennies or really for nothing at all. Surely it was just the start of Jane's dream coming true. Of course, the AGT model for the show is that before Jane performs her original song titled, It's Okay, the panel of judges will ask a, a few questions. And Jane reveals that she's receiving cancer treatments, adding that she has a 2% chance of survival with some cancer in my lungs, spine, and liver. When pressed a little more by the judges, Jane replies, you can't wait until life isn't hard anymore before you decide to be happy, adding, I have a 2% chance of survival, but 2% isn't 0%. 2% is something, and I wish people knew how amazing it is. If you know of Jane's breakthrough moment and pursuit of living out her dreams to sing for the world, she most certainly did make an impression on the world. And you also know that at the age of 31, she lost her four-year battle with cancer in February of 2022. What does God have to say about Jane's life as an example to us? And I'm not asking in an accusatory way, but in a genuine desire to know his heart for us when tragedy flips our world upside down and robs us of what we had planned, what we had hoped for, what we felt we were born to accomplish. I mean, why give us talents that we'll never get to use or at the very least use for but a brief moment in time? And I'm aware that that question creates more questions like, why do we humans confine our value to this finite existence? Who is to say using our talents here in this life is the only valid option? As I combed over the multitude of material produced about Jane, I listened to her professor Faith in an NBC4 interview. She said that while she does not specifically sing to a Christian audience, anything and everything that she does will be influenced by her Christian faith. Jane was a Christian believer who consistently showed her faith in believing that God would heal her this side of the grave. 
and yet that didn't happen. Did God fail Jane? Jane wrote a poem titled, God is on the bathroom floor. And in that poem, you can hear her struggle with God about her pain, writing, I have called him a cheat and a liar, and I have meant it. I have told him I wanted to die, and I meant it. Tears have become the only prayer I know. But you also hear the intimacy she discovered about God's heart woven in between the push and pull of living and dying. And she wrote, call me bitter if you want to. That's fair. Count me among the angry, the cynical, the offended, the hardened, but count me also among the friends of God, for I have seen him in rare form. I have felt his exhale laid in his shadow, squinted to read the message he wrote for me in the grout. I'm sad too. In her poem, Jane carries you along the journey of challenging God, looking deeper and deeper to find his heart for her. In the process, she allows Jesus to embrace her, to comfort her, to speak his truth, give her his presence, and she begins to redefine what she thought she knew about living. There's a song written by Maverick City, a worship group, and it's one of the songs that Jane recorded titled, The Story I'll Tell. And the opening line is, the hour is dark, and it's hard to see what you are doing here in the ruins and where this will lead. When tragedy and trauma and even guilt and shame interrupt our lives to the degree that it's hard to fathom how we will ever put the pieces back together, let alone even find all the pieces, where is God? Is he capable of taking what used to resemble our life or parts of it and making any sense out of the pile of ash and dust left behind? Moments like that is when we need a lifeline. So it's good to remember that dust in the right hands is new life in the making. We need hope because even if we have a strong faith, there are simply times when we can't wrap our mind around how God will ever turn our situation into something redeemable, especially when we're limited by this life and what we know. You may have heard me share this before because I heard this statement many times after my husband passed, and it was said with the best intentions, and I received it with grace. However, I found no comfort in it. God will not give you more than you can handle. Sweet friend. I want to personally acknowledge that God most certainly allows us to experience more than we can handle. But here's what I discovered about that. God doesn't allow anything that he doesn't plan to redeem. Because of the finished work of the cross, God's heart will always be for us to receive the fullness of our debt paid with his son's blood so that we can walk in the benefits here, now, today. Jesus is qualified and capable to redeem the pain of this life because he already has. The only missing piece is our willingness to give God our pain and allow him to guide us to the healing that he has. In the times when we shut God out of our pain, we close ourselves off to anything good. Jesus is the only option for good in this life. During Jane's treatment, she's stayed at a cancer center for healing in Irvine, California. It's owned and operated by Virginia Dixon. And this facility employs what their website describes as the REST, an acronym for Relational, Emotional, and Spiritual Truth, and the Reconstitution Method as an integrated approach to healing. And if you want to know more information about that cancer center, I'll have the link in the show notes. What caught my attention on this particular bit of info on Jane's life is that it seems, and granted, this is what I could discern having never been there. What I'm sharing with you today is based on that, a YouTube video of information produced by Virginia Dixon and the Cancer Center for Healing. And it's about their principles and practices and how that tied into Jane's treatment. So what intrigued me is that they seek hope 
peace and freedom in the midst of uncertainty. Because although Jane's life had a glimmer of hope, remember 2%, all of the options were fading. And in times like that, life is confusing. There's chaos in your mind, literal pain in your heart. Nothing is familiar about your life. And rest goes looking for hope, peace, and freedom among the rubble. In the YouTube video, it states through a graphic that's on the screen that Jane's story with rest is more about reconciling relational, emotional, and spiritual conflicts than the implications of a medical diagnosis. And I don't know about you, but I see that as a different approach. And maybe I'm just now becoming aware of it, but seeing the person, and I mean, really seeing the person, not the disease alone, digging into the emotions, relationships, and spiritual nature of a person is going deeper than a physical issue. It's acknowledging the way God created us with mind, body, and spirit how he meshed all of that together. And you have to dig down around and pull things apart. Through a series of slides in that rest video, it says that Jane was willing to be vulnerable and transparent, laying her brokenness on the table. She made progress and never lost sight of her dreams. But suddenly she began to decline and became conflicted in her despair. Anger rose to the surface and she had some tough questions for God. Why is God doing this to me? Why is he torturing me? I still have dreams. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. I've done all the right things. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'm mad as hell. The next slide reveals the crux of Jane's struggle, saying, this was a defining moment. A root of bitterness was the source of her conflict. Her body couldn't fight herself and cancer at the same time. Have you ever had your own bitter questions for God? Because we can replace that word cancer with doubt, fear, shame, guilt, trauma, addiction, whatever is terrorizing you. Virginia goes on to share that there is no procedure or medical protocol that can overcome the damage from dark intrusive thoughts we choose to believe. They must be displaced with the truth and that there is life in truth. When we embrace it, regardless of how painful, it builds our faith and making sense of the world around us becomes easier. That word truth always sticks out to me. It is not only key to orienting us to this life, but it also gifts, not gives, but gifts us with freedom in the here and now. And for us as believers in the God of the Holy Bible, we know the fountainhead of truth. Christians describe it as the Trinity, God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, and Holy Spirit. When I'm pondering something heavy with God, he'll often show me things in the most unlikely places. And I saw a clip, uh, I think it might've been on Instagram, and it's of Dr. Jordan Peterson talking to Joe Rogan. He's on Joe Rogan's show. So I feel sure everyone knows Joe Rogan. And you may also know Dr. Jordan Peterson. He's a Canadian psychologist, has an intellectual mindset, and yet grounded in reality. And I had to mention that because sadly, I think logic grounded in reality is a rare find in the psychiatry world today. I don't know that he's a believer, but he has several episodes where he conducts roundtable discussions with other intellectuals and scholars on the various books of the Bible. And I'm listening to the one he did on Exodus. And because of that, I knew what Dr. Peterson was talking about with Joe Rogan in this brief clip. He's telling Joe about the snakes biting the Israelites in the desert. In the book of Numbers, chapter 21, I believe it is, the Israelites go to Moses to apologize and acknowledge their sin against God, and they beg Moses to plead with God for relief from the poisonous snakes. So Moses goes to God, and God tells Moses to fashion a snake and lift it up on a pole, and anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So if the Israelites were obedient to God's instruction to literally stare at what they feared, they would find life. 
And then Dr. Peterson makes a reference to the scripture, John 3, 14, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up. And here's the revelation that God gave me. And I'm sure it was a point that Dr. Peterson was driving home, but more times than not, I need God's revelation when viewing him through a deeply layered intellectual lens. And to be clear, I'm not saying I'm the only one with this revelation, more than likely I'm late to the party, but God downloads revelation when we seek to know him. And here's the clarity that God gave me. Just like when the Israelites were obedient to God's instruction to stare at what they feared, the snake, they were given life. So we too can look upon the finished work of the cross and find life. Under the victorious foot of Jesus are all the fears of this life. We stare at Jesus and what we find in him replaces our fear with his truth. We share in his victory over all the things of this life that steal, kill, and destroy. So we stare at Jesus, we engage his heart, we learn his word and discover his truth. When we wrestle well with Jesus and at the same time behold his face, we discover profound beauty as he dismantles our fears and replaces them with his presence. Because then we receive his peace for our anxiety, his love for our hatred, his acceptance for our rejection, his presence for our loneliness. The word says that God catches our tears and that he will wipe away every tear. Keep this close to your heart. He does so with pierced, scarred hands. Backing up just a little bit to finish the journey between Jane and Virginia Dixon. After Jane expressed her bitterness and Virginia pointed out that cancer wasn't killing her and that she was self-destructing because her body could not fight both the cancer and the bitterness. The video slide says that Jane left their conversation angry and despondent and Virginia didn't know whether or not she'd ever see her again. In the song, The Story I'll Tell, there's a part of the chorus and why the song is titled as such. I've chopped it up here, so what I'm getting ready to read is not verbatim. My God did not fail. It's the story I'll tell. All that is left is highest praises. Sing hallelujah to the rock of ages. And then there's another full stanza that she sings, and I'll testify of the battles you've won, how you were my portion when there wasn't enough. And I'll sing the song of the seas that we crossed, the waters you parted, and the waves that I walked. Jane showed incredible strength in the face of adversity, literal crossroads of life and death. She stood on her faith, not only publicly, but also in an authentic and transparent way through her music, poems, and at the treatment center. Virginia Dixon had privy to Jane's intimate struggle with God. And here's what Virginia Dixon and Rest shared in the YouTube video as it began to wrap up. By faith, we surrender outcomes, trusting that when God gives us a dream, he'll make a provision. I know what it sounds like versus what we know happened to Jane. It's tempting to think it was a futile fight, but read her poem, listen to her song. Jane discovered things about God's heart that she would have never known in any other way. And that the discoveries she experienced were things that we don't have the ability to accurately verbalize. Whether we get to hear her testimonies audibly spoken by her here in front of us, or she gets to proclaim them in the heavens beyond our human existence. She's seen God victoriously fight her battles and intimately attend to her when she had nothing left. Her voice fills the heavens with songs of praise about the seas that they crossed together, the waters that were parted and the waves that she walked in faith. Admittedly, not in the exact way Jane had initially envisioned, but rather in God's value system, heaven's embrace. And that's Jane's redemption. 
communing daily with God, singing with unique voice that she was given in the perfection and the opulence of how God created her in the place where no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human mind has conceived. The exquisiteness that God has prepared for his beloved. The talents that we know of regard to Jane were merely a shadow of her full expression. And I'm not saying she isn't missed or that she didn't leave a gaping hole in the hearts of her family and friends and all those who loved her. Because if I was her parents or a sibling, I would be tempted to say, well, that's great, but I really don't care. I just want her back here with me. But the fact remains, because death is the reality in this life, God has gone ahead of us and prepared a way through his son, Jesus, for us to be reunited with our loved ones. He's given us a solution to death, a victory over that fear. Jane has never been more her than she is in the presence of her creator who absolutely delights in her face to face. When she opens her mouth and continues to share her beauty, her voice, her song, you better believe that God is captivated by her excellence. The rest video wraps up with Virginia doing rounds at a clinic and she sees Jane three weeks after her angry exit. And Jane beckons Virginia to come over and to get closer. And she says to Virginia, you were right. After three weeks of wrestling with God, I'm free. The freedom that God has for us is rooted in dismantling the fears of this life. And when we look into the face of that which terrifies us, and we allow God to speak his truth into the things that we think are true, the lies we believe about our world, about people, offering God the lens that we've created based on our experiences. He gives us himself, his presence, his truth. And in doing so, we can live in victory, unafraid of the terrors of this life. For those who have the courage to engage God about their painful places, to allow him into their struggle with good and evil, life and death, there will come a time when God asks you, like he asked me, and has done so on several occasions. Sherry, if I don't do what you're asking me to do in the way you're expecting me to do it, will you still love me? Am I still enough? And I have learned that my submission to his sovereignty ensures my victory. And by victory, I mean peace that surpasses earthly comprehension, freedom to live above the brokenness of this life, to live in it, but above it. God didn't fail Jane, and he won't fail you either. When we have the courage to authentically and genuinely look upon the face of Jesus and struggle well, offering up that which fills our mind and our heart with fear, he graciously, gently, gives us his victory over the grave. Thank you for your time and for sharing this experience with my guest. I hope you have found encouragement for today and a deeper revelation of God's heart in the midst of pain and suffering. We'd love to have you as a subscriber to Finding God in Our Pain so that you can be connected with all my guests as they share their personal experiences and professional knowledge about pain and suffering. And because this podcast is a division of the website, A Life of Thrive, for more information and the various ways you can connect with us, please visit the website, alifeofthrive.com. I look forward to sharing more transparent stories from the hearts of women who intimately know what it means to have their world flipped upside down, their authentic struggle to make sense of it, and what recovery and healing looks like. 
Till then, sweet woman, remember you are not alone and that God speaks the most beautiful things in the dark.